Hi, it's Karen here. And before we begin, I want to answer a quick question I receive often. How do I make healthy living simple? I've found that with a little bit of planning and a few good tools, I've made living healthy a lifestyle and one that isn't even that hard. Check out some of my favorites on Pretty Wellness Amazon Shop. Just go to amazon.com forward slash shop forward slash pretty wellness. That's where I share my favorite tools and products for healthy living made simple. And here we are. I want to welcome you to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, the founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor thriving with stage four disease and author of the book, which is a cancer guide and journal for patients and caregivers that shares the same name as this podcast, Happiness Through Hardship. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great. But sometimes it takes a little more. And this podcast will provide you with what worked well for me, success stories of people that have been through hard times and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. And if you like these episodes, please do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe. Your efforts truly will help this podcast get noticed and help us inspire more people. And now for this episode, I am honored to introduce you to Jane Fine, a highly acclaimed and award-winning artist whose work has been exhibited nationally and internationally for over 20 years. In 2018, Jane found out that her father was not her biological father and shares on this episode how she dealt with this family secret. So please grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. I am so excited to introduce you to Jane Fine, a highly acclaimed award-winning painter and teacher who focuses her abstract artistic pieces on social and political themes. Jane's work has been exhibited nationally and internationally for over 20 years. On paper, wow, she is so successful, having been reviewed several times in the New York Times, The New Yorker, New York Magazine, and Art in America, among other periodicals. She's also Harvard-educated in math, fine arts at Tufts, and recipient of several prestigious grants and fellowships. Not only is she talented, but also incredibly smart, and I've been going to her for life lessons since I was very, very young. See... I've known her my whole life because she's my Aunt Jane. On today's episode, we're going to talk about family secrets. This one started by taking a test. Jane decided to get a genealogy test done, think 23andMe, and didn't expect much. To say your results were a surprise was an understatement, which led her down a path of re-examination of her past experiences, relationships with family, as well as her own identity. During this episode, Jane will tell the story and how she navigated. Please welcome my inspirational guest who doubles as my exceptional aunt, Jane Fine. Hi. Oh my gosh, I have the biggest smile on my face. That was the best introduction I've ever had. (laughs) Oh, well, can I tell you, when I get to that line where I say, I've known her my whole life, she's my aunt, Jane, every time. And, you know, I practice a few times before I go on. I get teary-eyed. Because it's so, it's so special to me. And as I was telling one of my friends this morning when we were talking about our day, that 
you are someone, I, I love our relationship because as I tell people, you're closer in age to me than my fa- than, than you are to my father, your brother. Yeah. And, you know, 15 years older than me, 16 years younger than him. And so we, you know, plus the fact when I moved to New York City in 2000, you were obviously still in New York City. And so we had the opportunity to get to know each other. And I wasn't just like, you know, your little niece, Karen, anymore. I was this young adult, budding on my career, hanging out with grandma and grandpa, your parents. And so I, I, I love our relationship. And, you know, while the story that you're about to tell is beyond, we'll say magnificent, huge, <laughs> intense, I, you know, I could also say the same about our, 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 in a different way, of course, about our relationship. And I'm very grateful Aww. for you for that. And I'm very grateful for you, but we have to save that for the end. Right. Okay. So um, should I just jump in? I would and, love for and... you to jump in. Start with the story. Tell us how it all began. Okay. So I think for the full story, we have to go back about 40 years. And this was at a point when my mother, your grandma Cecile, confessed to my sister, your aunt, and then we won't keep doing that, <laughs> that she had had um, multiple extramarital affairs. So this was in the early 1980s. And when I first learned my mom's secret, I remember my sister called me on the phone to tell me this. I was shocked. But to be honest, I was also a little happy for her. Um, you know, you, you probably have a different view of this in some ways, but I always knew my parents' marriage to be very difficult and a struggle. And, and so when I heard her secret at the time, I, I, you know, I was a young adult in my early twenties. And I guess I was glad to know that, that she had found some happiness. Um, one of the oddest things is within a very short time, my sister who at that, well, she's always been 14 years older than me, but you know, she was already uh, married with a young child. She began to doubt that our father was her biological father. And um, because we don't have pictures with us um, on the radio, um, I can describe for the audience that although my sister and I are the closest of friends and similar in many ways, we look astoundingly different. We're we're physically and temperamentally unlike, right? You hear Karen's knowing laughter. Okay, my sister is almost nine inches taller and usually weighs barely five pounds more than me. And, and I am not a chunky girl. My sister's a toothpick. Um, she's musical and graceful. I'm short and scrappy visual artist. Um, and for, for some complicated set of reasons, my sister had always felt growing up, of the three of us, she was the one that always felt the most like an outsider. And so she kind of quickly took this information about my mother's past and became pretty convinced that that she, or maybe not quite convinced, but 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 oh, what should I say? Um, really interested in the possibility that she had a different father, and and I think it was also her nature. She was the one of the three of us that was the most athletic, the most rebellious, um, and she also had these very clear memories of a very tall friend of my mother's who was a music teacher who was often around the house when she was little. And for decades, and I, I remember this well, I don't know if you, if you know this, but, but my sister would ask our mother often, you know, about her, her origin story. Like, well, was this guy, we'll leave him unnamed, but, you know, was so-and-so actually the music teacher? Was he actually her biological father? And I, I would hear her ask this about every couple of years. 
And my mother would always insist that he wasn't, you know, she would say, he, I didn't know him until after you were born, you know, after, after you know, when, when you and Richard were in elementary school and I started at this junior high school job, blah, blah, blah. Um, for reasons that I still cannot really fully accept or digest, I never really doubted my own origins. I, I won't say I never asked my mother, but it's possible I never asked her. And if I did ask, I, I almost never asked. And and this is one thing that that you know keeps haunting me. At any rate, thirty five years go or yeah, about thirty five years go by. My sister and I. I mean, sometimes your dad, but kind of less so. Mostly my sister and I, and you know my husband. Whatever we would all sort of joke about this possibility that my sister had a different biological father, but it was kind of stayed lighthearted and in the background and decade after decade went by okay so then nothing much happens in the story until 2017 and my son Abe your cousin um who uh well you know this but our audience doesn't was adopted as an infant from Russia and he he as a uh, 2017 so he was about 15 um, he was interested in taking a commercial DNA test, and it's people might know it's very popular in the adoption community. And he asked if rather, you know, than just him, he said he wanted to do it, but he wanted um, his dad and I to do it with him. And he said, uh, you know, of course. Um, I didn't really think much of it at the time. We sent away for it, spit in our tubes, um, and waited for the results. But then I started to get, you know, I, I, I I had, I was thinking like, after we sent it off, it's kind of where the unraveling, <laughs> the unraveling began. I think that's a kind of a good word for what I went through. And, and as I was waiting for the results, I reached out to various family members asking other people if they had done it. It, it turned out just by, you know, coincidence that there was one cousin on my mother's side and one on my father's side who had done 23andMe. Um, one person I was quite close to, one I barely knew. So December 2017, the results come back. I'm excited. You know, I just kind of look right away for these two cousins. I see the cousin on my mother's side, who's the one I barely know. I don't even know if I've ever met, really. And I don't see the one on my father's side. And I remember this moment because I was headed off to a yoga class. And nobody was in was in the house. And I remember when I got to yoga, I just said to a friend, I didn't, not even someone I know that well. I said, "Oh my God, I think I might have just found out that my dad was not my biological father." And the funny thing was, you know, it was like a minute before class. She looked at me, big bug eyes. <laughs> I was like, "Well, never mind. We'll talk later." And uh, and weirdly, over um, this was cousin Aaron, by the way. And, and, uh, you know, who was, who was not on the, yeah. on the, on the, on the results. And he and I talked on the phone and that day and we're like, what, how is this possible? And this was like such a classic case of denial because in the course of the day, I went from thinking I knew the truth to talking myself out of it. I was like, oh, this can't be like, oh, well, I don't know. Maybe it's because, you know, we're all Ashkenazi Jews and his mother isn't Jewish, maybe, nonsense, nonsense in my head. But what happened over the next week or two is I 
asked my sister if I could buy her uh, a 23andMe uh, set for her for her birthday, which was coming up, or Hanukkah, whatever it was. And uh, she took some convincing. I mean, it wasn't exactly, a, you know, the greatest gift. We all thought there was a very, you know, a very strong. And meanwhile, I went in total denial. I, I saw what I saw a few weeks before. I wished it out of my consciousness. And um, so we all thought it was very likely I was buying her a test. You know, I was buying her the gift of finding out that her dad was not her biological father. Right. But I said to her, look, at this point, you know, oh, the thing I forgot to mention is at this point, you know, both of our parents were deceased. So I said, look, it, it is, you know, and for a while, for a while um, I said, it's time, to, you know, let's just find out the truth already. So I will never forget. I know, you know, you talk a lot about the moment you got your shocking news. And I know a lot of your guests do. I will never forget, you know, the moment when my sister called me. And she got her results and I was prepared. I had scoured the 23andMe website. So I, I knew what were the possibilities and what she might say. Because of our age difference, I knew that if it found out, we, if genetically we were half sisters, that was going to be the equivalent of aunt and niece. And because of our age difference, they, that's what they might say. So she didn't know any of this. So she calls me and she first thing she says is that that's what, they say our expected relationship is aunt and niece. So I said, I knew that that's what that meant. And I told that to her. And and the incredible moment was I had, it's like, I can, I can feel the sensation. I had a sentence in my mouth that never made it out of my mouth. And the sentence was, how does it feel to know that dad isn't your biological father? Because, you know, as you know, they were very close. And I, I think she was always his favorite. And and the sentence never got out of my mouth because at that moment she read, she, she looked at the, the, the DNA relatives and her top three relatives were me, the cousin on my mom's side, who I also had found, and the cousin on my dad's side. And as, as she just said those names, she didn't realize what she was telling us, but I knew immediately that that meant it was me and not her. And I was just I was so floored. I was so floored. It was like, you know, I described it to people that those few hours were like, you know, and I was 58 years old at this point, right? It, it was like you telling me, you know, this thing that all your life you thought was the floor, that's actually the wall. Like you need to start living your life 90 degrees rotated because, uh, you 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 just missed you know you missed some fundamental truth of existence somehow for the last you know almost six decades. It was so um, it was so confounding, um, you know. And then we you know I I know you like to ask people about those kind of first hours. I mean, she and I were on the phone for a while at that point, and I was in the strangest place. I was visiting my in laws in Florida, and this. Uh, this awful place they live called the villages and we were in this it was january so it should have been cold being a you know new yorker but i was in florida and i was in this artificial place they have these little villages there that look like theme parks except for they're full of mostly old people and i was in the cow the newest one which was the cowboy town 
So everything about it, it was like, was you know, fake. it was like I, everything was fake. Exactly. I literally, we were standing outside of a fake saloon in, you know, an 80 degree January day. And it just was the chance that that's when, you know, she called. And so it's, that was, it's yeah. like you were, the way you were telling this about the moment that you're finding out and you've got Aunt Paula that's sitting there still talking to you and you're, your sense of reality, as you said, is so turned around and then only to look outside yeah. and actually look at the sense of reality. So different. It's like you're in a movie. Yeah. Yeah, it totally was. I was like, this was the perfect place to find <laughs> out because everything, you know, I mean, I did a certain amount of drugs back in my 20s and it was totally like that. I was like, oh my God, like, is this even real? You know, is this real? It was crazy. Um, and so after that, I think that, I think the next person I, did I call your dad next? I must have. I think I did. I think I called, well, probably I called, I, I called Abraham next, our son, because he wasn't just by coincidence. He was back at the house with his grandparents and, and James and I were out just, we were supposedly just going for groceries. So I think I called him and he actually, I don't remember if it was on that phone call or I think it was a little bit later that day. He said something that was so helpful to me. And, um, because it was so kind of real and funny. And, you know, he was, he, he only knew my mom till he was four and a half, but I think he has some very loving memories of her. But what he, what he said to me, he said, don't be angry at grandma Cecile, because if she hadn't done what she did, there'd be no you. And then where would I be? Oh. <laughs> it, was, it was so great. It was so great. It was so, you know, funny and sweet and, and and helpful i mean of course there's a lot more to you know it's also a 15 year old talking but but it was it was great in, in the moment um and so then what happened after that of course you know whatever well probably the very first thing was i went out for a drink and um or two and then it was also weird because i was staying with my in-laws who knew my parents but I, I couldn't tell them. Right. I just, I mean, they're, you know, they're, I guess you've met them a couple of times. But they're, they're, they're pretty conservative. I mean, they're lovely people, but I was not going to get into that with them. Plus it so was it so was, fresh. It was, it how, was so you had, fresh. you hadn't even processed because you were likely in shock right. and still hoping right. you were going to get what you thought you wanted. Right. Or I don't even know if what I wanted. I'm not sure what I wanted, but what I expected. Yeah, what I expected. Now, um, what do you wanted is maybe more complicated. Yeah. What do you, what happens then when you've got this news? You have shared it now with the, you know, immediate family that have known that you were yeah. going through, looking into your genealogy, right. and how do you then, you know, go forth with this path of trying to figure out? Okay, so who am I? Exactly. Well, first of all, it's like the the first thought, like the, a lot of who am I, I would say came, came a few days later, but the first thought was, who is he? Like, who the hell is my father? You know, is my biological father? Like it could be, you know, this is a 58 year or whatever, when she got pregnant, like a 59 year old story, how in the world um, would I ever, you know, it could be a one night stand in a, in a, bar you know how would I ever find this out and I, I was you know I felt a lot of anger at that point too um like how dare she not tell me um 
and that that was pretty hard you know and also think about the fact that she for the last four years of her life knew me as an adoptive parent and and was regularly heard you know James and I be very open about about our story you know she saw more than once her toddler of a grandson running around going I from Russia I from Russia so I thought you know how dare she like keep my you know watch watch my honesty um and and keep this inside herself but at any rate I, I thought well how could I find out so you know the best sources of course were your dad who was 17 when I was born and Aunt Paula who was 14. So I started asking them for any tips. I mean, they each had some ideas. Um, there was one person we knew my mom had had, she'd only admitted to one particular name of someone that she had a fair with. And this was someone who lived across the street and I remembered well. So I tried, and actually he was very short like me. So that was kind of my first good guess. And I, I even that night in, in, in my in-laws, you know, guest room, I started looking him up and, and he, he was deceased. And I remembered he had two daughters with unusual names. And that night, I really within a few hours, I found one of the daughters on Facebook and I thought, this is too soon. Like I can't reach out to this person immediately. And uh, you know, that's crazy. So I got to catch my breath here. And so then I just kept talking to, to, I had I think, a couple of conversations with, with my siblings and, then I was back on 23andMe kind of going, I mean, I didn't have any closer relatives, but I sort of going through the names I didn't recognize. Is any, you know, was there any themes here? Were there any last names that might trigger something? Um, it wasn't really, I mean, there was one last name that I knew as someone else in the neighborhood, but it was such a common Jewish name. You know, I, I think it was Levine. I was like, I could be a million people. Um, so, but then, then, Really, about three days later, Aunt Paula had the idea, and she just suddenly said, "What do you think about so and so?" Uh, and um, and she suggested a name. And I was like, "Oh, that's pretty interesting." And over the next couple of days, two or three things happened. Like, a, you know, I, I listen often to this podcast called Family Secrets, um, and 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 this woman, Danny Shapiro, she always interviews people about their their secrets. And there's there's very typical this moment where she she asks about about memories that people have. Met, so she puts it this way: In some way, did you always know? And and often what it is is that people have assorted memories from their childhood that stick with them because they they never made any sense. They were never quite right. And in the course of the next few days, all these things hit me. And, and my sister told me one thing and my brother told me one thing. And they started to point to this person. And I look, and it turned out he was quite well known. He, he, he was our family pediatrician. And he was pretty successful. So when I first tried to Google this and I thought, is there any chance even I'm going to Google this name, you know, this 60 year old mystery but sure enough he had an obituary in the new york times and there was a lot of information about that in there 
And so I ended up over the next couple of days, two weeks, really being really, and, you know, I, I say I was an investigative journalist of my own origin story. And I, I just tried to read about him. The obituary mentioned that he was survived by two sisters and one had a very unusual last name and first name. And so I ended up looking her up and then from her, I found her obituary and it, it wasn't too hard within maybe like 10 days. I started to focus on this guy because uh, we'll call him Henry. I mean, that was his first name. Um, I started to focus on Henry because I had a very, one of the memories that I referred to, I had a memory. I, I know now I was five and a half, but I didn't know as I was remembering it of my mother screaming out loud in, in the house that he had died. And as an adult and a parent, I thought to myself, now who, who in their right mind would scream that their child's pediatrician had died unless, you know, it was a very close, right? I mean, if, you know, something happened to Kyle's pediatrician, would you, you know, you'd say, oh, I'm sorry, is, you know, Dr. Smith available? <laughs> sorry to hear the news. Um, and, and that was one thing. And then, I, and then your dad told me he had gone to Henry's funeral, which I never, never knew. And I'm like, okay, that's bizarre. Why would a 22-year-old in grad school go to his pediatrician's funeral? That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. And, you know, and and Paula had a lot of memories that con contributed to her suspicions. And so it just, it just piled up. And basically, after a couple of days, I found sort of following I, I chased it from both directions and I, I found another unusual, luckily there were a lot of unusual family names and I found a family name um, in his family that I noticed was on my 23andMe and I reached out to this guy who turned out to be a 30 something year old tattoo artist in Atlanta and, and, and he and I started chatting through 23andMe and kind of put the pieces together. Um, and that I will say that when I found out it was when, when I was chatting with this guy, it was about 1.30 in the morning. Everybody I knew on the East Coast, including my son and husband, were sound asleep. But the sense of satisfaction I had was so incredible. Not not so much that I knew the truth, but I felt I felt the sense of like revenge towards my mother. I was like, you know, I just went to bed with that smile on my face, like you know, I got your mom, like you thought you kept this from me. And it only, it was two weeks to the day. I was like, I gotcha. Like, I can't believe you thought you took this to the grave, but I beat you. I beat you at your game. <laughs> um, wow. I mean, it's, it's, it's wild for me, let alone the listeners are hearing this for the first time, but for yeah. me to hear the story from a different perspective, than when yeah. I heard it the first time. And then in the subsequent conversations we've had, you know, we zig were zigging, yeah. zagging around the place. Yeah. You know, yeah. clearly that was two weeks. So now you, you feel like, okay, grandma or to you, mom, you know, I figured yeah. this out. You may have, for whatever reason you kept the secret, you know, especially yeah. after grandpa died a few years before, or, you know, grandpa yeah. a few years before she did. And so yeah. I think when you were talking about those times of a being this toddler playing on the floor, like she may have had ample time, but for whatever her reason, which you don't know, we don't know. Yeah. She chose yeah. not to, you know, maybe continue to live in her own lie, yeah. but you figured it out. 
So what happens next? Because this is, you know, you know, for, I can speak for my father who is a, like a a, a puzzle player. And, you know, I think you, you know, at one point when you were telling me, I thought there was in this crazy story, some beauty in the three of you coming together and trying to to figure out the pieces of this, but okay, now you've got your answer. So what comes next? And in the, you know, and in some ways this is an analogy of, you know, I can speak as a cancer patient or anybody who's hit with some hardship, you know, a person dies or a person gets cancer and you go through everything that you go through for a a series of weeks or maybe months. And then you still need to go on. Right. What does that look like now to you in this situation when the kind of the drama and the ups and downs have subsided? Well, no, it's a, it's a great way of framing it. Well, the, I think the first thing is, is this endless um, kind of recalibration of who I am. Like I just kept, I just kept thinking about, you know, okay. So you're at an age probably where you, I, I bet sometimes you look in the mirror. I, I don't know when this happens. Like we're around when we're 30, 40, we start looking at ourselves and we're like, oh my God, I look like my mom or, oh my God, I look like my dad. And it's not necessarily a great feeling. I don't think anybody likes it. It's kind of freaky, right? Well, I was sort of used to looking, you know, whatever, at, at about 60, I was used to seeing kind of folds and wrinkles that reminded me of both of my parents. And a lot of things, you know, as you know, I have a very high forehead, so did my dad and bushy eyebrows and curly hair that came I used to see my dad in the mirror. This was a very freaky thing. Like I started looking at myself and I I had to stare at myself in the mirror. I'm like, oh my God, this is so weird. Like I I don't even look like what I thought I looked like. Like what do I even look like? So there was was a lot of that. And there was a lot of um, remembering other things my mother had said and, and trying to reinterpret all these things. You know, as you know, there was kind of a long running joke, joke, whatever, bigger than a joke, that I was, you know, Grandma Cecile's favorite, whatever. I was her favorite of the three. Okay. I always thought, well, I was her favorite. You know, she was an artist. I'm an artist. That, that it was our temperament. And and also, I was maybe the, the most studious and the most serious and kind of bookish. And it was that. Well, all of a sudden... I'm thinking to myself, here's another reality. I, I saw one way for 58 years. I was her favorite because I was the love child. Like that's a whole different ball of wax. Maybe she could, you know, give up, you know what, about all the other things that I, that I thought were, were, were what defined me in the family. Maybe it was just this one thing. I don't know. Okay. So there's a lot of that, this, like rethinking the past and, 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 and readjusting my sense of myself. Um, and then there was reach, tr- trying to, you know, find out more about this, who I am. And, it, and along the way, I had found a picture of a guy on Facebook who turns out to be Actually, same same genetic relation you and I are. Complete stranger. I've never met him. He's about exactly my age. When when I was coming to the confirmation, I, I knew he looked so much like me. I knew we had to be genetically related, much more than you and I look, look like each other. Um, but I could tell from his Facebook page this was a 
estranged person that I didn't want to connect to. But I was able to figure out that he had a that, that he had a sister. And so I found a niece on the other side. And through her, um, through her, I reached out, I made a connection to to a bunch of new family. And that was really, really nice. And in July 2018, which was about seven months or so, six months after I found out, about six, six girl cousin girl. I mean, I was the youngest one. Everybody was between 60 and 70. Um, we got together in Atlanta. And that was really interesting for me and, and very meaningful. Um, you know, when I described my connection to, to my sister that I was raised with, I always say we're so alike. You know, we love to do all the same things. We could talk endlessly on the phone. But the physical difference is very strange and unsettling. Um, with these people, it was the opposite. I, they were very nice. I liked them very much. I wouldn't say we had a lot in common. Most of them were not really raised. Um, in, they're all college educated, like politically similar, um, but but not as interested in art and literature and dance and theater, which is the way we were raised. Um, but they were like me physically. And in fact, just a couple of weeks ago, my sister told me something that she never told me. She met them all very briefly. And she said that when she saw them, her first thought was, oh my God, it's a room full of James. And that, you know, I, I, I didn't know she had that as strong a reaction as I did, but they're mostly small and they're kind of wiry and fidgety, just like me. And I, I found a lot of comfort in that because it was, it, it, it helped explain things. So that was really nice. And I, you know, I continue to have a, a, a relationship with them. It, it's not, it's not very intimate. You know, we, we check in now and again, they're very nice people. Some of them live up, you know, in New York area, some are scattered around the country, but you know, we send emails now and again, the one that I'm, the clo most closely related to my niece, who's actually older than me. Um, we, we, we talk a little more often. Um, but that, so that was, one, you know, I guess one of the, one of the really bigger steps. And, um, and the other thing that was, that was complicated, you know, I, 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 I wrote you a text last night and I was saying that um, for me, it was, you know, the, the initial thing was less, a hardship, you know, it was more shock than a hardship. And the, the hardships kind of came after, right? And the hardships were a lot of like just processing this whole this whole thing. Like what 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 do you do with this knowledge, right? Well, and, um, and can, yeah. you, can you share with the listeners knowing that there are a lot of people out there that are curious and yes. wanting to do a 23andMe can you share, like, from what I know, you're more, a lot more at peace today than you were, obviously, yeah. a few years ago. How did you get yeah. to that point? Like, what helped you get through and get to a more peaceful place? Okay, so I think probably one of the most important things is being a, a creative artist. Like, I remember at the in the first months thinking, how do people deal with this who have no creative outlets? Like, that's hard. Like, I... 
you know, for me, I just started I writing and drawing and it, you know, it wasn't literal, but, but it's something that's a, you know, as part of my daily life. Um, I think if you, if you're not actually a creative artist, fine. I know you talk a lot about, about the importance of writing in a journal. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking if you're that. not, if you're not comfortable writing, talk, find, find, you know, find your audience, just talk to, talk to people. Um, talk, you know, if you're in therapy, talk to a therapist, find friends. I mean, one thing I will say though, and this, I, this took me a little while to realize not everybody is going to be ready for your story, whatever your story is, whether, um, and it may, and it, and it, it, it may not correlate exactly to who do you think are your closest friends. You may find that some of your closest friends, maybe they have their own secret of some kind or or their own loss or great, you know, so read, you know, read your audience. That is a great, 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 great tip because I know I've found with cancer and Mm -hmm. I would assume that any listeners out there, you're going through any type of hardship. We don't always know what that friend, that best friend, that good friend, like we know a lot, but sometimes we, we don't know their mental capacity at that moment in time, whether it's that day or those few months. And if they're going through a stressor, these, you know, heavy stage four cancer or, you know, finding out your father's not really your father, this is heavy. And so I have found, you know, we talk about having friends for different seasons. I think that that has shown whether it's going, you meet someone through a support group or you meet somebody Mm. that you have somehow you just get connected with that those friends can be amazing mm-hmm. support even though you wouldn't yeah. naturally think they would be because to your point not sure. everybody they want to be there i think they yeah. really do in their heart of hearts but it's it's tolling yeah yeah like i think you you know if you see someone's glazing over you need to say like is this should i save this for someone else or like is this too much for you right now you know or whatever just start talking about ice cream flavors um but yeah, the, 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 all, all the outlets, you know, the talking, the drawing, the writing, that was huge. I was incredibly lucky to have, I don't know how this is possible, but I have three very close female friends who were adopted as infants and they were so great to talk. You know, I, I sort of started joking with them. Like I, it turns out I was half adopted. I mean, not exactly. Um, but in the sense that there's this, you know, whatever half of me that is, um, has an unknown, not un- unknown, but unknown in the specifics, you know, was not raised by my biological father. I found talking to them really helpful. I was so lucky to have been, I had been on and off in therapy and I had a therapist I started with when I was about 40, saw her on and off for about a decade, you know, through the loss of both of my parents and through adoption of Abe, hadn't talked to her in 10 years. By some incredible fluke, six months before this all happened, I reached out to her, just asking her how she was feeling, ended up seeing her. And I, you know, whatever, she said, oh, do you want to come back in? I was seeing her for six months. I remember it was uh, almost holiday season. And things were good. I was going to wind down. I felt like it was, had been really nice to reconnect. I said, you know, what? I think my sister's going to get her 23 and me results in the next week or two. Why don't we just continue for a couple of sessions after the holidays? Because 
it's probably going to be, you know, not probably very likely it's going to be hard for her. I want to be good support. I think I could use, well, you know, understatement of the year. So it was great. Like she and I continued for about another six months and it was so helpful because she knew, you know, she knew decades of stuff about me and knew how I had talked about my parents when they were alive. So that was great. Um, Yoga. I'm a big yoga practitioner and, and that was, you know, just so helpful. Um, and I think the last thing, you know, I talked about Abe earlier on. The one thing that was really a gift was, was having him having, you know, the, the thing, I mean, you're, you're right. I am much more at peace with this whole thing, but it, it flares up now and again, like when I'm experiencing some kind of loss, you know, it's like I have this primal loss, right. In my life that, that can never, you know, it's a loss that can never be filled and I just have to accept it. And having an adopted child, like, you know, that there, you know, anybody who pretends adoption isn't a, a big thing, you know, you can, you, it's, you know, the most important thing is to normalize it and accept it, but not to sweep it under the rug. And, you know, we've always been very open with him about his adoption, but um, I felt like I had a new license to ask him some questions. And I remember just, Oh, early. What do you mean, like, license to ask him questions? Like what type of questions? Like to 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 probe, to probe a little more about his feelings. You know, at this point, yeah, like okay. he's fifteen, sixteen. You know, you're almost there with Kyle. Like they're they're not exactly open books. Like, hey, mom, let's talk about our feelings. You know, this afternoon. But I said, I remember going to his room one day, and I said, so what? Like, what questions do you have about your birth parents? And he said, you know, first I got the typical boy ants like oh nothing and I was like oh come on like I call BS on that like I have so many questions about my story I don't believe you like I just don't now I would never have done that prior because I thought that's really intrusive like who am I to you know say I know more about his internal life and his adolescence and his adoption than he does but suddenly like that's what I mean and I pushed and I got some amazing answers from him you know, and he's like, all right, actually I do. And we talked about it and we had some of the same questions about our, about, you know, his questions about his story were the questions about my story. Like what, what were our, you know, biological parents relationship? We don't know. Like, what are the things we, what are the things we wish we knew? And I think because of all those questions, I, I ended up really kind of pushing, we had had on the back burner for ages, this plan to travel to Russia together. I mean, all three of us. And, you know, it kept James a little more frugal. We talked about, eh, should it be this year or next year? Maybe it's too soon. And I just suddenly felt like, like it was, would be a really good thing for him. And I, and I think that, that came from, from sort of stepping across the other side a little bit. And so that, that summer of 2018, we took a, a long family trip to Russia. That was um, a wonderful. And I guess some ways, yeah, it probably did help, even though it wasn't really about me. I guess I felt, um, I felt I, you know, I'd taken my experience and done, done something positive with it. I mean, it might have happened anyway. I'm not sure, but I, but I think it, 
I think so it's more likely that, yeah, that it came because I, because I, I felt like I knew, I knew that I was right. I was more confident, you know. I mean, you know how it is as a parent. Sometimes you're, you're sort of sure you're right. Your kid is saying the opposite and yeah. you just have to go on your gut, right? Because they're saying, no, 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 I don't want to do that. I, I'm not hungry. I don't want to eat that. I'm, well, I want to go there. Yeah. Whether you thought this or not, it also, you know, as a parent, I know I, I'll speak for my own sense. There's, yeah, we we know they grow up so fast, and I want to hold on to these really cherished memories. And some of my memories, my favorite memories, are different than Kyle's. Uh, yeah. But I'm assuming a trip like that was not only memorable for A, but also for you and James as a family unit, knowing that oh, the family God, yeah. has been been such discussion so I want to go um I want to take us home here and yes. you know how I do that I um yes. I, I do that because and where I'm going with this is and I'm totally throwing something um I'm going home but yes. I'm taking a little bit of a left turn here so um, <laughs> for those that are new to me I end each episode playing the grateful game with my guests the reason I do this mm -hmm. is because I found a few years ago, I started a quote unquote gratitude practice with my then nine year old where we talked about what we're grateful for and why. And there are many studies that show that playing with our positive emotions, talking about gratitude, it's not just warm and fuzzy. It can help with healing. It can help. Is it going to cure my stage four cancer? No, I don't believe that. But I do believe that it can set my day off or my evening into another tone, which helps me heal and helps me have a calmer state of mind. So I'm a firm believer in it. Now, Aunt Jane, I know you know how to play the grateful game. I am wondering <laughs> if we could actually do this with a theme. I do, occasionally I go over okay. here and be like, can we play okay. the grateful game, what we love about our families? And so for the listeners Aww. out there, I, I encourage you, like sometimes, I mean, listen, we all get stressed out with our families, whether it's the, you know, the, the family oh. we're living with day to day or the drama of families around the holidays. And so, you know, there are times, especially around those, uh, the holiday times that I will say to myself, like, okay, like this might stress me out or this might stress me out, but let me take a moment and remember all that I'm grateful for. And so are you willing to play the grateful game family style with me? I am. Oh, I'm so excited right. that you went rogue. That's okay. great. Yeah. So I went rogue. So I'm going to give us each about a minute. And okay. so I'm going to kick it off. So I'm, well, let me just say, I'm grateful for my little buddy, for my, for Kyle, because he, for so many reasons, he's my little miracle baby. Cause we didn't think mm. after the cancer I could have him. And he does humor me, let alone like here, we created the grateful game together with going in and out of trying different wellness endeavors or clean foods or things and so he doesn't always like it the older he gets but I give him credit and I'm really grateful that he does that um, I will also say and I can't make this long because I will totally start to cry I'm so incredibly grateful for my husband because he has helped create this beautiful life that we live in and I say that knowing if anybody here has listened to me more than once or twice you know that my life isn't always easy um, but I do have an amazing partner that is so similar to me and so different than me that has been an incredible support and, you know, helping keeping me laughing when I need to be laughing and or keeping me like safe and straight on when I need to be. Um, so next, I mean, goodness, I can't go through the whole family, but, you know, I'm going to say like, I got to say my mom and dad who they can't be more alike, but more different, as you know, um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm going to say, you know, I, I appreciate, I'm grateful for my father for always kind of taking a goofy spin at life, 
because I have found that that is inherently a part of me. I wanted to show up at radiation last week for, for one of my sessions in an Alvin and the Chipmunks costume because I knew it would make people laugh. They might think I was ridiculous and crazy. And I wanted to wear the Care Bear one too, but that one would have been hard to take on and off. At the end of the day, I, I, I didn't end up doing it. I think I, you know, I don't know, I got busy, but the thought was there and I had a conversation about it with the folks at Radiation. And I will say my, um, and my mother, my mother is one of the smartest people I know. She is wise, maybe even beyond her years now. And she's really, um, even though I hated a lot of her lessons growing up, I got to be honest, like I was the rebel child and I wasn't that much of a rebel, but my sister was very well, very, very well behaved. My, um, my mom has taught me a lot of lessons that have been really helpful in parenting and I think in being a good person. Um, and then speaking of good people, my, my little sister, Nancy, she's always my little sister. She is so, Aww. she's just, um, she's been such an amazing support, especially in my later years in life, in, in, in so many different directions. And her husband, Matt, as you know, like he's, he's a doctor and he's helped navigate some of my cancer. So, oh my goodness, like I, I didn't even get to say Aunt Paula, you know, Uncle Merrill, Cousin Mark, Cousin Abe. Um, you know, and then you, I'm going to end with you. I, I said at the top and I will say here, and this is way too long that our relationship is so beautiful to me. Those, you know, for a podcast, another time talking about how grandma seal and I went to meet you in France and I got to oh, be an God. adult, a young adult and build this relationship with you. And then a few years later, when I moved to New York to take on that relationship of not just being this little kid, Karen, but as being like maybe a little sister or a friend has you've, you've just taught me so much in life. And I love that you and I, like our professions have always been so different, but we always come to this place of curiosity, I think, and, and love and adoration. So um, I'm tossing it to you. Maybe you can do better with me on time. Did I forget anybody that's horrible? Uh, no, but I'll try to, uh, I know we better, we're, we're just going to have to make sure we mention every single family person because they're all going to listen to this and we're going to be in the doghouse. We forget, forget to sh spread the love. Okay. I'm so glad you ended with me. I managed not to cry because I'm going to start with you. I am so grateful for you and for a different set of reasons, all the ones you said, but I, you have just no idea how much I admire your positivity and, and how you've been dealing with your cancer. I, I know there are days that you are home alone, you know, not, not pretty and not wellness, but, but your, your joyful attitude has affected me so much. I mean, I was thinking last night, if I had a podcast, if I had to do a podcast after my stage four diagnosis, it would be like, oh, it's been another crap day in my life. <laughs> oh, woe is, woe is me. Does anybody want to hear how, what a victim I am today? <laughs> and tomorrow we're interviewing someone suffering even more than me. <laughs> I, I'm not even joking. Like, you know, you have no idea how often when I'm having a hard day, I think about you and I'm like, oh, Jane, just shut up. Really? Um, so I am so grateful for you. I am so grateful for our family that loves to talk. If I have to spend one more night of my life with somebody at somebody else's family that doesn't talk, that sits around quietly, that doesn't argue, that doesn't debate, 
politics or ideas or movies, but just quietly sits and listens and waits for someone to say something, I will perish. I just, I just love how loud, you know, pretty much everyone in our family is. Okay, you're married to an exception. There are some exceptions, but, but I love the loudness and the enthusiasm and use the word curiosity. I, I don't think there's anyone in our family who isn't curious. And I love the way. Can I just side I mean, note, yes. we're, 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 yes. we're building a picture here is, and the fact that for years, well before my time, you guys put on like, you know, celebration shows. It was, you know, so-and-so's birthday and you dress up in costume <laughs> for grandma's yeah. 90th birthday. Do you know how joyful it was to see our, you know, my cousin Mark in costume, like singing songs, because that <laughs> is just not his persona. But, you know, yeah. Aunt Paula raised him well to, to say that. But anyway, I toss it back yeah. to you. Like, we, we yes. um, as much as there's clearly some drama, there's also, yeah. you know, the the um, celebration of life has always been a part yes. of the fine family. Yes, absolutely. There's, um, yes, there's such a, and in fact, you know, one of the, the, I remember the main thing I said at my, you know, my mother's eulogy was how, she always found joy in things. And as, you know, as her, you know, as her life became more limited, she still would find joy in, in a strawberry, in a delicious strawberry. Uh-huh. And I know, I know how much that affected you. I'm grateful for the way I have come. I'm grateful for, for James and Abe, for sure, my son and husband and, and the family we have. But I, but what I want to say is I'm also grateful for how I've, come to understand that family doesn't need to be genetic family. And we were, you know, there's a whole branch of cousins who, you know, who I'm very close to, who now I, I am no longer genetically related to. And, and there were a few times this summer where I, cousin Cassidy from Hong Kong was visiting. Cassidy was over and we were up on the roof and it was James and Abe and myself and Cassidy. So should be two parents, a son, and a cousin. And I looked around and I said, you know what? I I love all of you. I said, we are family and there's not a single genetic connection here. And <laughs> it was that everybody kind of laughed and oh, smiled. Wow. And I and I just thought, you know, family is, you know, family is as family as made. And and I think, you know, through this whole story, I've I've I I, I had you know, like I said, there were moments of being so grateful that I could 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 flesh out, use an appropriate word, you know, the the what my biological story really was. And yet, you know, I guess coming more to peace with it is like just being grateful for what I have. And, you know, I mean, I couldn't, as you know, I couldn't love Abe more if he was like cloned off my, you know, off my leg. And that's a beautiful way to end this episode, too, is just a reminder to everybody that, you know, there used to be that saying is like, you don't get to pick your family, but you get to pick your friends. It, it just it really depends on how you define family, because there you yeah. know, as I, I will say, as somebody who grew up uh, born on the East Coast, grew up in the Midwest, we didn't have family near. And so there were some mm-hmm. friends that became this extended family to spend the holidays with. And, you know, when you're talking now about Cassidy and, you know, once related now, not tech, you know, technically, but still family. And I I think when you go through a hardship, a life changing hardship, there are people that will connect, you will connect with 
that will be family, even though they don't share yeah. the same genetics. Yeah. And so I want to thank you so much for sharing your story. We went back and forth a lot about whether to do yeah. this or not. I think at the end of the day, I, you know, I, I am so glad that you're oh, willing I'm to so be vulnerable glad. because there's so many people out there that do need to hear this message. There's a lot of people that are going down this route now. So, yeah. um, so thank you again for being here. Where can, I mean, we didn't even touch upon your profession, which again is another three podcast episodes. Where can people check you out to see your work or even your husband, my uncle James's work? Cause he's an artist as well. Okay. So, um, the easiest, um, our websites, mine is janefine.net and his is jamesesber.com. You can, you can I'll put spell those in the show notes. for the listeners, um, or our gallery pierogi. Um, I I'll send you their website. Uh, I think that's all the easiest Instagram. Um, I, we both post a lot, our work, you know, every few days on Instagram. Um, what did I forget? That's probably That's all good. the easiest. And yeah. I'll put it in the show notes so everyone yeah. can check that out. So again, I love you, love you, love you. I love you, love you, love you back. This was such a joy. I, I Time just flew by. I have no idea if we were talking an hour or three hours. I know. We, we, have a, we have a habit of doing that. So to all the listeners out there, thank you for taking the time to go to the end and to, to hear my Aunt Jane's story, which is a story of quite many in different ways that I'm hearing when you do this genealogy testing, there's oftentimes a little bit of, we'll call it creativity there. Uh, but uh, please, please, if you're listening and you like it, rate, review, and subscribe. That helps us share more of these stories and inspire more people because the reason I am doing this is not just to hear myself talk. It is really because I believe that positivity matters. I believe that we can all find a little bit of authentic happiness going through hardship. And listen, you may not have the biggest, hugest drama in the world, but we all have bad days. And if you can find a little bit of joy during whatever journey you're going on in life, then hopefully it's made your life a little bit better. So have a great rest of your day, everyone, and bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us today, not just for the surprising story that my grandfather wasn't my aunt's biological father, but also for spending some time to let us celebrate the joys within our family. Relationships can be tricky, especially with family, and I encourage you, when possible, of course, to try and find a little bit of joy within your family, whether it's blood relatives or the people that you choose to call family. Thanks again for joining us today. I'm sending you lots of happiness and great health. Bye for now.